We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, October 7th, 2015. My name is DJ Trainer, and I'm going to be joined on Wednesdays, as always, by Josh Hayes. And you can find Josh Hayes on Twitter, at Josh Hayes FS, and you can find me at DJ underscore trainer. Um, this, just so you know, this is a five days a week podcast. We have rotating hosts, so maybe you heard me and Nick uh, talk yesterday. The podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher, and of course, feel free to leave a nice review there for us. One quick housekeeping note before we get started, Josh. Our apologies to those of you who were unable to download the entire podcast yesterday with Nick and I. We unfortunately had some technical issues, but uh, at least you'll get a full season of us coming up here. So we've got 20 days from the start of the NBA regular season. Preseason action has begun. 
What are your thoughts so far, Josh, on, um, on what we've seen in just the first couple of days of the preseason? Uh, well, I'm excited to see how many more times Kobe Bryant's going to hit the side of the backboard on a three, <laughs> first of all. That's always exciting. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think right now what I'm sort of trying to pay attention to is which teams are really needing to um, try to hold an audition for their eight-man rotation and who's trying to protect themselves in terms of wear and tear and injuries. Like we saw Pagasol didn't play yesterday. And then you saw the Sacramento Kings fire up um, Darren Collison and Marco Bellinari for like a 50 ball between the two. And they were, they, after, you know, I read the post game. Obviously, I'm a Kings fan, so you'll probably get a little more Kings information than you want from me on this show. So feel free to angry tweet me and tell me to dial it down and I'll do my best. But um, you saw that they Marco Bellinelli came out in the interview and said, "Yeah, we were trying to win this game. We need to establish a, like a winning mentality." So that's sort of the, the things I'm trying to pay attention to more so than just just the box scores. Is who's shaking out the rotations right now, and and who is sort of just protecting their starters and aren't worried about, and they, they have things set. And uh, you know, so we're to sort of determine who might be a little bit off the radar that can actually make an impact towards the end of your fantasy drafts this uh, NBA season. Yeah, you could definitely get caught up and you can get carried away with all these little minor nicks and injuries. Um, You know, if you look at the injury report right now and you're just like, wow, the entire NBA is injured, just don't get too caught up. There's a lot of fake injuries, a lot of really minor things. You're not going to have all the players play every single preseason game. Um, All those injuries and all those nicks and those absences from practices are covered here at rotowire.com. But for the most part, you know, it's going to be what you think it is. You got some, you know, like Kyrie Irving is a guy that maybe you need to keep an eye on. But for the most part, all those little injuries, uh, uh, you know, they're not going to amount to much come the end of October here when, when we get down to business. Yeah, I absolutely agree there as well. And if you're trying to sort of nail down um, what you should be doing, don't forget the uh, the NBA draft kit on, on rotowire.com. If you're trying to win an, a fancy basketball championship, that's a great way to do it. So great um, contributions from everybody on the uh, NBA side here, which is where I got my start last year this time with Rotowire. So love NBA. It's always one of my uh, absolute favorite sports. And I totally agree with you in terms of what what's happening in terms of injuries. You can't read too much into somebody not playing a game, not um, playing 16 minutes, or you know leaving the game because of precautionary measures. You'll end up you'll end up seeing like you know some of the younger guys. Like I was excited to actually see what Jalil Okafor had, and it's yeah. weird to me that he was able. Did you see the highlights by the way on Okafor yesterday? I haven't checked in a similar fashion that I'm not getting too carried away with the preseason. I'm just kind of watching some you know like really broad. High, uh, you know, recap. So I, I'm not really digging too much into it at this point. So no, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was interesting too because he had two blocks, but he didn't even get off the floor with two blocks, which which is interesting <laughs> and cool, kind of. And actually, I think it shows a little bit of savviness too because you see a lot of rookies just want to go for like a knockout block that puts the ball like ten rows in the stands. He didn't leave his feet; he stayed like in pretty good uh, defensive position and just put his hands up and got got a piece of the ball. And he was able to retain possession, I think, on both blocks, which is like sort of like a Tim Duncan savvy veteran move. Yeah. So wow, it just what a 
comparison right out of the gates. Tim Duncan, savvy move. I don't want to call him Tim Duncan just yet, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no. I totally agree with you. Like We've already said it five times. We'll say it one more time. It's it's good not to get carried away with what happens in the preseason games, too. But one of the big knocks on Okafor coming into the season is, you know, maybe his defense won't be as – or it's just not going to be that great. He's a great offensive player coming out of college, that is. Um, But it's nice to see him contributing in that block category. If he could contribute with maybe 1.3 blocks per game, I mean that's going to a lot a lot uh, that's going to add a lot of value to to that rookie for sure. Yeah, and the other issue that I have is I want to see how well he plays together with uh, Nerlens Noel as well because Nerlens Noel is a guy who can eat up a lot of rebounds and dominate on the defensive end in terms of blocks. So if he takes that if I don't want him to be a power forward that you own that comes up with like seven rebounds per game, like, you know, Brooke Lopez, the first four or five years of his career. That's just frustrating to own as a power forward guy. And which is sort of, I think, I don't, I'd like to get your take on this here is what, you know, we should be doing in terms of rookies. I just have a, um, you know, buyer beware policy in terms of rookies, unless they've shown me from day one of NBA Summer League all through training camp that they're an absolute stud. And I don't know if we necessarily have that with anybody in this. Uh, draft here for uh, the 2015-2016 season. What's your personal take on uh, how you approach that, DJ? Yeah, Josh, I think uh, one thing I forgot to do at the top, all my bad, a couple things we're going to be covering in this podcast, bold preseason predictions, fantasy MVP, fantasy rookie of the year, which we've already started to dive into, fantasy bus, breakout players, and the sleeper. So we're going to touch on all of those. Um, but yeah, going back to your question, Josh, uh, I said this yesterday on the podcast, so you probably heard it there um, if, if you listen to that, but I generally shy away from all rookies. I never, ever get caught up in any hype from year to year. If, if I'm drafting, I'm a big guy on, I want to draft what I know I'm going to get. I want to know what I'm going to have. I don't really have to like, to, I don't really ever like to have two or three guys coming in. Like if he hits or if he fits well, my team is going to be amazing. I never construct teams like that. I, I know what I'm going to have coming into it. That said, I just did a, um, a, uh, a dynasty draft where we have a salary cap and the salary cap is the actual player salary. So I did draft J- Jalil Okafer and the only rookie that I think went before Okafer was Carl Anthony Towns. And I think if I did bite, uh, you know, if we're going back to just standard leagues, just one season, if I were to bite on any rookies, it would be, it would be Towns or it'd be Okafer. Um, as far as Russell, yeah, he's really good. He's a really good passer. He may be one of the, you know, one of the upper tier point guard passers already in the NBA. But there's just a lot that can go wrong there. So if I do bite, I'm going to bite on Towns and Okafer. Otherwise, I'm staying away completely. Yeah, I, I agree with you there 110%. I'm just, I would much prefer to let that be somebody else's problem. Let somebody else exactly. own the rookie who shoot, shoots 37% to, you know, to start the first half of his season or, you know, and you, you also, I'm the only other per- person I might be um, confident uh, in is uh, Emmanuel Moutier for uh, the Denver Nuggets. I feel like he's, you know, basically got the keys to the car and I think he profiles similar to Tyreek Evans, who had a pretty good rookie year. So you're probably not going to like the shooting percentage there, but I think that he has a chance, I mean, just with the absolute lack of talent that, that Denver has, to be uh, like just a usage percentage monster. 
Yeah, definitely. And one thing you have to consider too, sometimes you, you know, you get two strikes for you, or that's probably a bad analogy, but if you let someone else in your league draft rookies that could potentially be ticking time bombs, not only do you save your own team, but you're destructing the teams of uh, the other teams in your league. So a guy like Moutier, he seems to be one of the favorites for the rookie of the year, like you said, Josh, because he has the keys to the Denver Nugget car. Um, you know, if I had to go for a guard or a forward, Moody would be that guy just because he's going to get a lot of minutes. And of course, the most important stat in fantasy is minutes played. All right. So I know we're jumping around a little bit on the show, but we might as well just um, nail down our picks here since we're talking about rookies here, DJ. Um, who, do you, who do you got? Who's your rookie of the year? Yeah, and so we're going to qualify this as fantasy rookie of the year. Right. And so yes. and a lot of times that coincides, but sometimes it doesn't. In terms of fantasy rookie of the year, I'm going to go with my man Jaleel Okafor, and that's only because I think uh, you know if he if he average he won't average a di- uh, double double, but if he's giving you solid rebounds, he's going to get some points. I mean, he might be one of the he might be the go-to offensive option on that team already right now. Uh, I just think he's I just think that his production will be steady throughout the year you might have guys like Emmanuel Moutier maybe a Stanley Johnson D'Angelo Russell by the end of the year they could be better NBA prospects but as terms of full body of work from day one to the finish my fantasy rookie of the year I think it's got to go to Okafor what do you think Josh I think Okafor is a favorite I agree with you Um, just for differentiation purposes and bragging rights for our show I'm going to go with (laughs) Moutier (laughs) just jot that down put a note here Okay, so we'll 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 keep a like a season long tracker on that as as we go. And I want to give you a quick dark horse here and get your take on one Miles Turner, who's uh, made some nice uh, like uh, off season training camp, getting some love from Rick Kyle there. You know, Rick Kyle calling him the best three point shooter on the team and a potential to start at center. So he's one guy that uh, in the later rounds I do want to take a flyer on because it's just so interesting that with the skill set that he brings. You know, having a there there aren't very many three point shooting centers out there that can also potentially uh, rebound at a, at a good clip and defend the rim. So I think he has a a rare skill set, and I'll be very interested to see where his his draft stock uh, ends up as we move through the preseason. That's yeah, that's a really good dark horse, Josh. And I tell you what, um, the accolades are just flying around preseason. You're never going to see a coach or fellow players bash on their guys because everybody's zero and zero right now. Um, so I, you know, it's just like everything else in the preseason. I'll be I'll be a little careful when when I hear stuff like that. But that said, right now. The the players that Miles Turner, rookie from Texas, he's 19 years old right now, that he'll be competing for time against is Ian Mahinmi, um, who is just like a really good five-minute player. Beyond five <laughs> minutes, who knows? He's, he's gassing it up and down the court. He might actually be the starter coming into the year, which is just unfathomable for me personally. But one guy that I'm going to be a little concerned that could eat away at Turner's Turner's minutes, especially in the first half of the season, is Jordan Hill. Jordan Hill has been a pretty solid center. Obviously, he's not amazing, but if you need him to go out there and play 28 minutes a game, I don't really think he. I don't think that he hurts you a whole lot. So Miles Turner, like like many other rookies, he could like hit on all cylinders at the end of the year, but he's someone, uh, a late flyer in your later standard uh, league drafts, 14 teams, 16 teams maybe, is where it was where I'd slot him at. But yeah, by the end of the year, he could have a lot of waiver wire action. Yeah, I, I think what I'm going to try to do is just, if I got a last roster spot, rather than burning it on uh, you know, some of these 
uh, flyer types that you don't necessarily know know are going to be you know there's everybody has somebody at the end of their draft that you're like could be the first guy dropped off your roster uh, for that and for me that could be like a guy like Mo Williams who is probably going to start the season uh, as the uh, starting point guard we assume like we like you said we don't know anything about Kyrie Irving's injury that's the one guy who's an absolute mystery. But you have to figure at some point Kyrie Irving gets back into the lineup. He starts starting. Then you are more than likely in standard leagues going to put somebody like Mo Williams on the wire. And rather than sort of mess around with a, a rental, I might just take a flyer on Miles Turner and see if I can scratch a lottery ticket there. Yeah, that's a good uh, you know it's a good give and take there because Mo Williams will be a valuable fantasy player if he starts the first uh, month of the season, but then he can drop off the face of the earth as soon as Kyrie Irving gets back to the lineup. Latest news I heard on uh, Irving is that there's no official timetable for his return. So basically, that's like having no news at all. So that you know that is that is a really good thing, Josh. You have to weigh do i want someone who is going to start hot and maybe not be there uh, in the third month of the season or do i want to keep someone on my bench stash him away who really could be a nice option come playoff time in head-to-head leagues Um, in roto leagues that's when it it, that decision really makes a lot more or there's a lot more influence in that decision but i tell you what josh we're going to have a full season to talk about rookies let's go and talk about some established players and let's talk about our fantasy mvp for this year So let me just throw out the usual suspects, and then we'll go in and and maybe pull out some dark horses. Um, So usual suspects, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James. If you had to pick one right now to be the fantasy MVP when we're looking back on it in about eight or nine months or so, who do you think it'll be? um, There's no uh, Casa Kufos. In that list, I just yep. want to double double like check I, your list there. Like <laughs> I said, I didn't have enough time to put Ian Mahimi and Kosa Kufos on there, but okay. um, if I had more time, you know, they'd be right behind James. Okay, fair enough. I th- I think uh, Anthony Davis is the favorite. So, and all signs point to him having an absolute monster season. For me, I think this might be the season of redemption for Kevin Durant. I never want to discount that guy. I, I actually thought that you could have made a strong, strong case for Russell Westbrook uh, there in, uh, you know, last season. Um, I don't see Steph Curry repeating personally. I mean, he, obviously he's definitely in the mix. Here's the crazy part about this is, uh, t- uh, you know, setting aside Kevin Durant in this list, at one point or, or another among the season, pro- with maybe with the exception of LeBron James, who I think was never actually considered the favorite for MVP, but was always in the top five list, at w- one of these guys at one point or another throughout the season was the favorite to win MVP. So it's such a, you know, I don't know if you can ca- toss a coin five times and, you know, or, you know, create a five-sided coin, but that's sort of what I feel like we have. Um, Anthony Davis, I think, has to be the clear favorite because he doesn't have a... Uh, a shotgun rider like um, Russell Westbrook does, you know, and, and James Harden got to, to play the majority of the season with Dwight Howard on the sidelines. But even when Dwight Howard was in there, he he played like a, a solid second fiddle and sort of stayed out of James Harden's way. So I, to me, I think we, the, the two favorites are probably A.D., Harden, and I, I like Kevin Durant from Dark Horse perspective because I think that – he got a serious level of disrespect and you know disappointment and super motivated because they missed the playoffs. Uh, Stephen A. Smith hates him and he's in a <laughs> he, he's in a contract year. So I, I, there's if there's one player who has more to prove than anybody else, 
uh, I think it's uh, Kevin Durant in this list. And, and to me, I mean, two, two seasons ago, he was pretty much the best player in the game for fantasy and, and, and uh, real-life purposes. So I'm going to take that guy. Yeah, most definitely. I think if Kevin Durant stays healthy, he is one of those one, two, or three options, uh, no doubt at all. The, the problem there is, you know, is he going to stay healthy? Will he be able to play, you know, even at least 70 games? Uh, I love what you brought up, Josh, shotgun rider, because that is a great way to look at it for MVP of the league and also fantasy MVP. It's, it is a great way because Kevin Durant can get his, but you wonder if Durant's on the court for a long time, that's going to eat away at Russell Westbrook. The only reason why Russell Westbrook was getting those triple doubles is because Durant wasn't on the court to share the ball last year. Steph Curry's got Klay Thompson, James Harden, you got the Ty, or, uh, Ty Lawson is coming in and... As a team, that might make them better, but I'm wondering, James or Harden's going to probably handle the ball a little less. You wonder if his assist numbers take a little bit of a dip, and and you know that might take him out of the fantasy MVP conversation. LeBron James, maybe he'll retreat back to South Beach for a little bit. Maybe Kyrie and Kevin Love take over for a portion of the season. So I do love Anthony Davis as my fantasy MVP, especially for roto leagues. Given what I just said, head to head. Who knows? Uh, it, it, you know, it's a little more up in the air. Just real quick, Josh, I want to get your take on on some fantasy MVP dark horses: Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and Demarcus Cousins. Do you think any of those three got three guys have a shot to bump up into that fantasy MVP discussion? I think Chris Paul. We're sort of seeing. I think the like the he's sort of you know two steps down the hill. So you know towards the you know the peak of his career i think we've seen the best chris paul season that we're ever going to see and every season going forward it feels like he just has a a much harder time staying healthy and if doc rivers is smart he'll figure out a way to manage the minutes the way lebron is uh, wants his minutes to be managed and that's sort sort of also the reason why you might need to take lebron out of the conversation but i'll never do that because i feel like he's the best player in the game and I think it's also probably maybe more important this year than than a few other years um, that the Cavs get the best record in the league because the West is so nasty and tough. You're gonna you for them to legitimately feel like they can be the favorites in the series in the finals, and I am picking them to go into the finals. I know that's early in preseason, but I also feel like it's uh, no one else. Everybody else is playing second fiddle for my with with maybe the exception of Chicago, but. Um, they may need him to play more minutes than he even wants to play for them to get to get the best record in the league. So the other upside of that is the West is so nasty and tough. You might just have them beating up on each other. I don't see Golden State just you know running teams out of the gym like they did last year. You're gonna the Golden State I think is in for a little bit of a wake up call. I I wouldn't be surprised if they're the number one seed, but now they have the official target on their back, which I think is a, a arrow down for Steph Curry, an arrow down for all the Warriors in general. You're gonna get teams like the the um 76ers and you know just these bottom barrel teams that's going to be their nba finals when they see the warriors pop up on the schedule for their you know one of those two games of the season so there's not going to be no more cakewalks no more blowing teams out um i mean maybe they still will maybe i'm completely wrong about this but you're going to get once you're the champ you get everybody's best shot which is what you see happen to cleveland all the time um you know when you know they were or, or lebron all the time when he was in Cleveland and in Miami, there's no cakewalks. They always would start the season like it felt like 
eight and ten because everybody was geared up for them and they hadn't gotten into full, you know, they weren't ready for to go blow to blow to start the season. So that's sort of the the way that I look at it. Um, just getting back to your question though, so n- no one, Chris Paul. Um, Cousins, I love. I think he's an absolute monster, but I think it's also going to be tied to how many games they win. So they're going to have to do something, um, a, you know, something in the line of a small miracle in order for him to get serious consideration. Because whenever you're a non-playoff team, you just don't get enough credit, no matter how much of a monster you are. And you saw that with Marcus Cousins, you know, becoming uh, or getting listed or voted as second team All NBA behind Microsoft, which to me is an actual joke. If you look at all the numbers, um, you know, tell me I'm wrong. He destroyed Marcus Hall in every aspect. Marcus Hall goes to the playoffs, so he's first team All NBA at center, which to me is, you know, this th- goes to show you how backwards things are and how much weight they give to playoff teams. So the one guy I think can actually break out of this is Damian Litter. Since there's no Lamarcus Aldridge, and we know that he's a volume scorer and a, an electric guy who can put up, I think you're going to see him put up more 40 point nights than most. And which, while I will sort of like vault him up up my list uh, for point guards. And as that's among those three that you listed, that's going to be my dark horse guy who could end up actually, you know, having a a clear bust out season. Yeah. We're going to make some bold preseason predictions at the end of this podcast, but I'll make a little tiny one here. I would not be surprised if Damian Lillard led the league in scoring this year. There's just no one there in Portland to take shot attempts away from him. I mean, no matter where he's going to take the shot on the, on the floor, I think that, um, I think that they have the best shot of getting a bucket when it's in his hands, and he might just have an absolute green light like maybe we've never seen before. C.J. McCollum, Alfaruka Minu, Mason Plumley, Myers Leonard, would you rather have them take an open shot mid-range or would you ha- rather have Lillard take a contested three-pointer? I don't know. I think, like you said, there could be a lot of 40-point games coming out of Lillard um, this season. Should be really interesting dynamic to follow in terms of fan- in terms of fantasy. But in terms of them making the playoffs, that, that ship has probably sailed already. Already, So we're going to move on, Josh. But first, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 5, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for a free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, Josh, let's move into our fantasy bus. Now, the first two guys I have labeled... Um, is just gonna get. We're just gonna get our toes wet. Uh, let's start with Joseph Nurkic. Now he had kind of a breakout season in Denver last year, but he got hurt at the end of the year. He's the projected starter there in Denver. What are you expecting out of him? I think that it is. This is sort of going to be twofold. First of all, if he. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned because he ended the season injured, and I don't know how much uh, he was able to actually you know, work on his game and, and, and sort of improve the way that you want to see somebody jump from, uh, you know, early in his NBA career from one season to the next. So that makes some sense there. I think a lot of his values are actually going to be tied to Moutier and how much he can get fed the ball and how much um, he actually ends up being involved in the offense because I think there's still going to be a good uh, amount of uh, Gallinari going around out there. And, you know, uh, Moutier as probably the, you know, the one or the number two scorer, depending on how many shots he lets Gallinari take if he passes the ball. Um, so then you have... 
Nurkic playing third fiddle. And if he isn't able to make an impact on the defensive end in terms of you know rebounding and blocks, then you you might be just you know buying uh, a bag of goods that you're not going to be too happy with. Uh, as far as the other guy that you have on this list here, Dwayne Wade, I feel like he's the 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 team captain of uh, of 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 team fantasy bust, like every season for the last three seasons for me. So right, I'm glad you said team captain of fantasy bust because I thought you were going to go in a different direction, but I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I, he's. I mean, if you saw what they were trying to do with him in Miami, it was almost like they were, you know, treating him like a China doll in a in a in a China cabinet. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, he's he's ready to play back to backs. He'll he'll be ready to play seventy five games. I'm not buying it. It's another season. I don't really feel like you can. He he knows that his knee probably has a degenerative issue that they can't get better. Now they have improved the depth on that team, which also lends him to being more robust. Also, because if they play well and you know. Um, Justice Winslow is able to make an impact and take some of the heat off of him. That means he plays less minutes, and you still you're not interested in him anyway. But so between the age and the injury, and uh, where he is in his career and the talent that they've added, uh, I don't really see any reason for me to step out and take Dwayne Wade anywhere in the top fifty. Even you know what, if he fell down the top one hundred, I would still let it be somebody else's problem. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there, one hundred percent. The fact that Justice Winslow is now in town. Gerald Green is now in town, and maybe even not more importantly, but just as uh, just as importantly, uh, Eric, or Coach Bolster came out and said that Mario Chalmers is only going to play in the two guard position. Obviously, he'll probably float over to point guard a little bit, um, but you're not going to have or, or he's not going to play both guard positions. And to me, that just means that, um, or rather, <laughs> I'm all over the place here. So he's only going to play backup to Goran Dragic, and so what that tells me is that. Um, They've got the dynamic set there. I think Gerald Green, Justice Winslow, is is such a viable candidate for backup minutes. Not only are there are they viable candidates for backup minutes, but the the tandem of those two towards the middle of the season, towards the end of the season, they they're not obviously they're not going to fade Wade out, but they're going to be at the point where that you know that could happen when you guys got when you have guys like Luol Deng, Chris Bosh, and Goran Dragic on your team. That's a playoff team right there without Wade. And if you just had Justice Winslow and Gerald Green. So I'm staying away. It sounds like you're staying away, Josh. Let's stick with the Heat, though, because I think another bust, uh, someone that we need to talk about is Hassan Whiteside. Me and Nick said yesterday, if he finishes the season, if he's just still on the team at the end of the season, then he's probably exceeded expectations. So where do you land on Hassan Whiteside? I, You know what? I have concerns about how they use Whiteside towards the end of the season because when they were – really injured and Bosch went out for the season and you saw Dwayne Wade in and out of the lineup. He turned into like a fantasy and a DFS monster for like a, you know, two, three, four week stretch. But then when they sort of got a little bit healthier and, you know, um, he had some injury issues and some attitude issues and some fouling issues there. You saw that um, he wasn't uh, as effective toward, down the stretch there, and he wasn't playing 30-plus minutes. So he would you know, tend to get foul-prone there. And if you just take a look at you know, some of these game logs there towards the middle of the season, I'm looking at a 12-minute game in March 24th, 23 minutes, 27 minutes. Then he pops up with a 31-minute game, and then the next game he turns around with 22 minutes. Um, and he's been like fairly effective in those stretches, but that's not somebody you really want to invest the top 50 play in right now. And I think, you know, I'm looking at a lot of these lists. They have him. Some people have him ranked inside the top 30. I would feel more comfortable with him, you know, as a nice double-double candidate with, you know, shot-blocking upside in the top 75-ish. But I feel like everybody saw some of these monster performances that he put up, and they want to buy in on a, as an automatic double-double guy. 
I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case when you take a look at you know, Bosch being back and him, him as a ball dominator, Dwayne Wade on that roster. Now, you, we haven't even talked about Goran Dragic, who I think is also a guy that um, people might be overdrafting here. I don't, I don't want to label him an absolute bust, but I think you just need to be a little bit down on that stock when you take a look at um, the, when he was the most effective was when it was just basically him and Bledsoe running up and down the floor and everybody else played second fiddle. And he is third fiddle maybe you know um in most cases between wade and bosch on that roster which is also damaging for Whiteside. so i i think i'm in the same camp with you here i like them i don't like them at this price all right so let me throw out a hypothetical to you josh we haven't talked about rudy gobert yet but mm-hmm. he's in the exact same vein as hassan Whiteside. both guys that can get double doubles uh on a routine basis if they play enough minutes and they can also give you three blocks a night if they're out there on the court long enough now, they're both projected to be starters. So uh, which one would you prefer going into this season, Whiteside or Gobert? I don't want to talk about Gobert personally on the show because um, people who play in my leagues listen to the show, and I don't want to reveal how much <laughs> excitement I have for Rudy Gobert. Hey, so that's, we- that's one of the problems with doing podcasts like this, yes. that everyone knows who we want going into drafts, and mm-hmm. in auction drafts especially, that's when it gets a problem. But anyways... Maybe uh, me, you know, just I don't know. You got to make a pick. I'm putting you on the shot. Do you want Whiteside or Gobert, Josh? I want what Gobert by a ton, by a landslide. If you take a look at um, what happened with the Utah Jazz when they finally traded away Enos Cantor, who by him, by the way, um, rebounded uh, a lot of fantasy value for him once he got into a, a decent role in OKC, and I think he's an also another guy that you have to be careful with because it's a, it's they're planning on bringing him off the bench this year behind Stephen Adams, which. Maybe good for his fantasy value, maybe bad, but you know, either way, with Kevin Durant in the mix, it's going to be probably a totally different situation for Cantor. But aside from that, Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz, I think, went to maybe I want to say number one or minimum top three in terms of um, uh, defensive teams in the second half once they um, you know vaulted Rudy Gobert into the lineup, and he doesn't need a ton of touches. He's a cleanup guy who will do a ton of damage. Well, I love him from a shot, but you're going to win, you know, block shots for the most in most cases if you roster Rudy Gobert. Um, and he can shoot. He's not he he's not going to hurt. You. I'm, I'm not talking about like 18 footers, but you take a look at um what he does from the free throw line. He's okay. The 62% doesn't tell the entire story for me. I think he's actually probably going to be closer to upper 60s, maybe 70. He has a decent stroke. So I'm all up and all up on Rudy Gobert. I love the 60%, um, you know, field goal percentage that he put up last year. I think there's some definite upside. You never see him, you know, like calling for the ball or trying to, you know, put up 20, 30 shots per game. But you do see like some some 20 rebound games and some five shot blocking games, which are just monster performances. And um, no surprise to me that he's ranked as a, as a second rounder. In the mock draft that Benny Ricciardi and I did on Monday, he went 12 overall. Yeah, and that, and that's not all that surprising to me. Um, some people might be overvaluing him a little bit, but I mean, if he if he puts out similar production as he did at the end of the last year, then he's he's going to be well worth the the, the twelve uh, spots, um, twelve overall spot. One difference between the guys we're talking about, Rudy Gobert, um, I think he tends to stay out of foul trouble more so than Whiteside. Uh, and I'm talking technical foul trouble in terms of common fouls. Um, and so that's one nice thing. When you have a shot blocker on your team, you always have to be cognizant that um, 
with those blocks comes potential for them to play limited minutes because of fouls. More of an issue for Whiteside than it is for Gobert. Just one more reason why all of Josh Hayes' friends should go out there and get Gobert right before he does. <laughs> um, so um, we'll keep it moving on. But, Josh, did you just want to bring up one more potential bust? We'll have more time to talk about this. But did you just want to throw out one more bust that people should be on the lookout for when they start doing their drafts over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, for me, I think you really have to throw Dirk Nowitzki in this category. And, uh, I mean, I think people might be a little bit fooled by, uh, you know, the efficiency that he had. I believe he was at, if I'm correct, 17 points per game last season. And every season they've talked about him for the last few seasons, they talked about him limiting his minutes. Uh, yeah, 17.3 points per game, 5.9 rebounds. Um, he doesn't do a ton from th- from a three point perspective anymore, and you know with the the pieces that they've added to their roster, you could see I could see him getting being something closer to uh, you know twenty five minutes per game than the twenty nine point four. So it's all trending in the in the wrong direction, and they are trying to protect him, and they feel like they you know if you're if they're going to have any shot in the playoffs, they need to to keep him closer to you know, 25 minutes rather than 30. So I, he's still ranked inside the top 50 on, on most uh, fantasy sites, maybe inside the top 40, I think, on Yahoo. I don't want any part of uh, Dirk Nowitzki. I'll let him slide f- past the 5th, 6th, 7th round uh, before I even have some remote interest. Yeah, and one guy I'll toss out there, and I'll only give a couple sentences explanation worth, uh, Ricky Rubio, he's a guy I drafted maybe one time um, since he's come into the league. I mm-hmm. was disappointed then. He's one of those guys, him and Dwayne Wade kind of just captained the uh, disappointment ship or the bus ship from year to year. So that's that's someone, if he plays a full season, yeah, he's going to be pretty good for you, but he hasn't really done it ever. So uh, keep that in mind as you're drafting over the next couple of weeks. Josh, let's keep moving. Let's go to the fantasy breakout player. Now, this is what people, you know, their you know their eyes kind of get wide and their ears perk a little bit because this is how you win your draft when you steal that guy in the eighth to tenth round that turns out he's a you know top seventy five player. Maybe you get a couple of those guys. So, who are we looking at here? Who are some of those guys that you're hopefully gonna snatch in those later rounds in standard league drafts? Uh, so for me, some of these back-end players that I'm actually interested in here, I, um, I'm tr- trying to figure out what's going to happen uh, with, you know, what you end up seeing is some of these guys who are going to win jobs at, towards the end of the season, like in Utah, I don't know if it's going to be Trey Burke or if it's going to be Nito out there at the point guard position. I think they sort of feel good about Trey Burke and his ability to sort of come off the bench and be more effective against other teams' second units. So if that's in, what ends up happening and he and uh, Nito can win that point guard job here, uh, I think he becomes very interesting. There's always a big um, a level of disrespect for George Hill for whatever whatever reason. Um, but and he, I think you know once again he's. Um, banked up in the preseason, and we should all take your advice. Don't don't worry too much about that. But I think he's one of the more disrespected point guards um, in fantasy basketball because you don't see him scoring twenty points a game per night. But he's just super solid, very efficient. Can can do a little bit of everything, and there's really no threat to his playing time with you know Rodney Stuckey and Tony Douglas behind him. So if he can stay healthy. Um, I think he's in a better spot, at least from a assist standpoint, with Monte Ellis on the roster, Paul George getting healthy, and if Miles Turner wins that job, I think he could be a, a, a nice, uh, sneaky value. And then the other guy I wanted to also take a look at here is um, 
I think Tyreek Evans is going to be somewhere draft, drafted similar to where he normally was um, in last season's, which was somewhere in the 50 to 75 range. But if you take a look at that roster right now and what they're planning on doing with Drew Holiday, which is a sort of protect him, bring him off the bench, and not rush him into the situation. Tyreek Evans had a, had a stretch of games where he was just um, a you know a bona fide triple double threat like he used to be in Sacramento and I really feel like it's him and Anthony Davis and everybody else is just playing a little bit of second fiddle there I'm not really interested in Eric Gordon and, they have, and they're bringing Ryan Anderson off the bench so we're, we're talking about shotgun riders here I think Anthony Davis is going to be an absolute monster we all know that um, and I think Tyreek Evans is going to be like a good beneficiary of that feeding him the ball creating assists and um, you know he's a sneaky good rebounder from the point guard position so there's a couple of of my guys um wanted to quickly ask you about robin lopez just from a really isn't much else to be interested in in the new york Knicks situation uh for 2015 can he be a guy that maybe we should pay attention to um you know out there in new york getting that big contract yeah it's it's interesting so obviously he's going to give you rebounds last year he averaged nine points 6.7 rebounds which is a little down from his year before he was bumping into double-double territories in 2013-2014, where he had 11.1 and 8.5. Um, I think he will average more than he did last year. So I think that he's going to be getting close back to that 8.5 rebounds per game, and that's where most of his value is going to come from. Yes, he can score in double digits, but that's not necessarily his game, especially when Carmelo Anthony is in the backcourt ju- uh, jacking up shots. Um, I... I, I just don't see him having much more value than he than he has in the past. Like I don't think he's going to make a tremendous jump. One guy I like a lot actually is Kyle O'Quinn, and Kyle O'Quinn can slot into that power forward or the center spot. So if if they ever need to, you know, if they need to rest Robin or there's ever fear uh, that he's playing too many minutes, I think Kyle O'Quinn is a guy that can slide in there nice and easy and maybe steal a few minutes from Lopez. Um, but if the Porzingis pick goes horribly awry you might have where Kylo Quinn actually moves into more of a power forward role and then it wouldn't be such a big idea or big deal for him stealing minutes from Lopez Um, so after all that explanation I think he's pretty much the same guy he always has been for the last few years and and what that is is just a rebounder who's going to give you above average rebounds and nothing nothing too special across the board otherwise what do you think I think you know what I originally thought that there might be an opportunity for him to get into like 35, 36, 37 minute range, but I'm with Something you. That I, he's never done in his entire career, by the way. Right? Yeah, which yeah, and you know they give him the big contract, so I figured you know he you know and the one thing that just appeals to me is a center who shoots great free throws. Seventy seven percent people don't really know that about him, and it's not a huge factor because he doesn't take a ton of attempts, just like you know two point two per game last season. But it's also some a problem spot for a lot of fantasy teams when they draft at the center position is how much is a center going to do damage you know for them like Dwight Howard and and DeAndre Jordan um and he's one of those guys that really actually could help your free throw percentage from that aspect so I would love to see him get approach double double territory if he gets that spot but I also really do like um Kyle O'Quinn and even Kevin Serafin as just like athletic guys who maybe do a little bit more than they should from the outside in terms of like shooting 15, 16, 17, 8 foot shots. Uh, but um, they, they do have a very interesting skill set and maybe more offensively polished than Lopez. So maybe it ends up 
being closer to the 31 a game that he had two seasons ago than the 35 that I was hoping for. Because I think 35 is a double-double in the very back end of, of a lot of like standard league drafts in 10 and 12 team leagues. You know, you, you could probably get some, him somewhere around the 12th round as a cheap starter that nobody really cares about. But it really is going to depend if he gets the bump in minutes or not. 12th round, yeah, I suppose if, if he's in the 12th round, I'm taking him every time. I would consider him as my – I think he, he would end up being better than, you know, the 12th best player on any one team in a standard league. So if, if he's fallen down to the 12th round, I would snatch him up because he is going to be a reliable source for blocks and rebounds. Um, so we're rounding into home here, Josh. We just have a few more minutes. Fantasy sleepers, I'll go ahead and let you let you roll with that one. Who are you looking at in terms of sleepers? So not breakout players, but sleepers. Yeah, well, you know, I think given uh, – I like the, the, the guy that you listed here, Monte Ellis, I think makes a, a lot of sense uh, given the just a lack of overall offensive punch that the Indiana Pacers provided last season there. I don't know if you can really call Paul George – um, a, a sleeper necessarily, but the the great thing about Monte Ellis is he never he's never cared who he's played with. He's always just decided great to point. get his own his own shots, you know. So it's uh, he, whether he I mean people forget he played with Steph Curry at the beginning of his year, yeah. uh, his career, and you know they did the smart thing and decided to get him off the roster so Steph Curry can do what he does, which is be an, an effective point guard and you know you know uh you know then fantasy uh you know turned out to be fantasy or and uh nba and mvp um i think there's a lot of talk about um uh tobias harris and whether or not he's going to take the next step or not rather than somebody like him i think i, w- I want to get in on and maybe you can ask me if this is if he's a sleeper or not because i think he's sort of just in that middle range but uh your thoughts on victor oladipo i think he has a chance to really step up into potentially a top 30 player this year. Oh yeah, I completely 100% agree. My only my only qualm about that is how many minutes will Fournier take away from him? Evan Fournier is also a guy that's really coming into his own good three-point shooter. And then Mario Hezonia. Obviously Hezonia I don't think is going to come anywhere close to Oladipo in terms of um, rivaling minutes. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But I am a little afraid that there's a lot of y- young talent that needs minutes and that might get passed around, especially if you start to see the magic slipping out of playoff contention, where we know Oladipo is a good, solid NBA player, and we need to start developing uh, a Mario Hezonia in you know maybe the final quarter of the season. Does that does that sound like something that could potentially happen to you or yeah happen? I, I believe so. And if you saw like the highlights and the quotes from Hezonia, they're crazy. By the way, he was talking about how you know what I wouldn't go to a to a to a soccer match. I think he was saying football, but soccer match for us Americans out there. But if uh, Messi wants to come, he can come watch play watch me play. So <laughs> like he has some serious swag to his game. So I, I think. That was something I noticed quite a bit in, in Summer League, too. That guy has swag, and you know what? That's a little underrated. A guy like Anthony Bennett, that guy doesn't have any swag right now. He's feeling like the world is on top of him. His own is going to come in and, and try to grab it. Josh, I apologize. We're running out of time here, so we're just going to move on. I want to make sure we hit this. Bold preseason predictions. I'm going to go ahead and give mine, and then you can give yours. I think that the Brooklyn Nets will not only make the playoffs, but they'll win the first round. 
whoever they play. Obviously, if they're stacked up against the Heat or the Cavs, I might have to retract that statement, but that's not for a few months down the line. I think they have a, a veteran core of guys that could win a playoff series. And like I said yesterday, my only question is, can they even make it a full 82 games and stay healthy? But if they're there, I think they could maybe sneak a playoff round. All right, Josh, what's your preseason prediction? And we'll shut this thing down. Uh, my preseason prediction is that the um, Portland Trailblazers do not win 30 games. That's, I mean, maybe that's not a, a, like a great bold prediction out there, but that team, that roster is pretty barren. And I actually do love CJ McCollum on the other side of that, but their front line is an absolute mess. And uh, they've, they're missing so many pieces. I think no more, that team is going to be just, just so much more damaged um, from the loss of Lamarcus Aldridge. And we're gonna, there's going to be a lot of like great high scoring performances from Lillard and CJ McCollum could win like most improved player this year but I just don't see them winning a ton of games. I don't really think they can defend almost anyone on that roster. So that could be end up, they could be end, end up with, you know, one of the, you know, three, four or five worst records in the league this year. You are basically echoing what I argued with Nick about. Nick thinks that they, they could be a little bit better than people think we're giving him credit for. I, however, think they could easily be the second worst team in the league behind the Sixers. Josh, we're going to have the whole season to watch that play out. We're going to have the whole season debate about that and everything else we talked about. I tell you what, I had a great time on this first episode of the season. You too, hopefully you listening out there, you can uh, you enjoyed it too. We'll be back every Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tomorrow, Nick Whalen and James Anderson will be back. But as far as it goes for me and Josh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. They're going to kill the love of my life if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.